having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, most of us haven't received the word in much affliction, uh, but they did. In those days, there was a lot of affliction and persecution that went on. Verse 7, he said, So that ye were ensamples, or examples, to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And I believe that's one of the things that God wants for our church. God wants us as a church and as individuals to be an example to people around the world. And sometimes we don't realize the, the influence of one church, and yet we thank the Lord that we're able to have that. Uh, I, I remember one of the things that really amazed me was back during the early days of COVID when we were shut down. We, for seven weeks, we didn't have services. And the live stream, sometimes we'd have as many as 4,500 people watching the live stream service on, on, a, on a Sunday morning. And uh, this, the influence, our missionaries that we support around the world and their testimony and their ministry as it goes out in our church. And you have been an example to believers around the world. But verse 8 is where I want to zero in on tonight. He says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. That's what God wants from us, sounding out, giving out the word of the Lord. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Paul said, we go out to witness in your neighborhood and they've already heard because you've already told them. We don't need to, we don't need to go out there and speak because they've already been told. And I believe that we as a church can do a better job than what we have been doing in getting out the gospel. And I want to talk to you a few minutes tonight about the power of gospel tracks. We had our little program earlier in the year of getting back on track and getting out gospel tracks, and we're going to do a little bit of that again, and I'll say some, some things about that at the end of the message tonight. But the power of a gospel track. It's amazing what God can do through one gospel track that you give to somebody. Um, this week I gave, a, I gave a packet of ten to them to a... To a uh, a lady who asked me for something that she could do in Christian service. And she came back and she told me how she, was, she gave one out to somebody. They thanked her and they said, do you have any more of them? And they wanted more of them. And so that they could give them to other people. Uh, the, the, the power of gospel tracts. I read a story some time ago about a man who worked in a service station. And he was working, it was in the summertime, he had the front door open back when they were service stations, you know. Remember when you used to pull in and the bell would ring and they'd pump your gas and and wash your windshield, and check your oil. How many of you remember that? Some of you are too young to remember that, but some of, some, some of you old folks remember that. I can't remember that far back, but uh, service stations. This guy was working the service station one night. He had the front door popped open. It was warm, and he is sitting there, and a piece of paper, he said, blew in and went up against the counter there, and he picked it up, and it was a gospel track. Somebody had thrown it out or dropped it or something, and he read that gospel track and got saved. I heard about another man who got a gospel track, and he didn't read it, but he folded it up and put it in his wallet. And later on, he remembered it, and he got it out, and he read it. He folded it up and put it back in his wallet. He read it, got it out later and read it. He read it four, five, six times, and finally he got saved. He said, now I know why they call them tracks. He said, because once I read that thing, it kept tracking me and tracking me and tracking me until I got saved. You never know what God will do through the one gospel track. We've had people come to church because they got a track. Oh, somebody left one on the table uh, in, in the hospital. We've had people get it because waitress got, 
a track and somebody left a, a good tip in there and they said, we want to find out where these people are and they came to our church because of that. The power of a gospel track, of getting out the, the gospel and what a, what a privilege we have to be able to be involved in that. Handing out gospel tracts is something that every believer can do. No matter how old you are, how young you are, you can do it. You don't have to be a seasoned saint. You don't have to have been a Christian for a hundred years like Brother Craig and some of the others of us. But uh, you may have just gotten saved recently and you can still give out gospel tracts. Babes in Christ, new, newborn Christians can stand alongside of others who have known the Lord for years in the ministry and we all can give out gospel tracts. There are two areas I want to look at tonight in relation to gospel tracts. First of all, what happens in the life of the people who give out gospel tracts? What happens in your life, in my life, when we give out gospel tracts? Several things. First of all, people who give out gospel tracts win personal victories. They win personal victories. Look with me, if you will, at Hebrews chapter 12. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. Many of you, I'm sure, have memorized verse 1 and 2, perhaps even down into verse number 3. But look at verse number 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He says we're compassed about, we're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. Now there's a number of different ideas about who these witnesses are. Many people believe, and I think it's true, I think it's part of it, the cloud of witnesses are the men and women of faith that Hebrews chapter 11 talks about. Hebrews chapter 11 we call God's hall of faith, and there are many people, the Bible talks about by faith Abraham did this, by faith Noah did this, by faith Moses and Joseph, and it goes through that and talks about all the different things that we've done by faith. Thank you, Tony. I forgot to ask if you had a worksheet tonight. Some of you didn't get one, so if you hold your hand up, we'll get that to you. And uh, somebody help Brother Tony there with it, and we'll get those out quickly. Just keep your hand up till they get to you. But these witnesses are those in Hebrews chapter 11, those who are, who are great men and women of faith that God talks about. And uh, as, he, as he, he talks about this great cloud of witnesses, all of these saved who have gone on before us are the witnesses that witness our life and our work and what we are doing. I think the great cloud of witnesses even includes our loved ones who have gone on to heaven. I believe from time to time, I don't think they're watching everything that goes on down here. I think they've got more exciting things to do in heaven. Amen? I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be excited about what's going on up there. But once in a while, I think God gives them a glimpse of what's going on down here. And so Paul says, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Since we know that we're being watched, you might say, from the grandstands, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So what happens in the lives of people who give out gospel tracts? First of all, people who give out gospel tracts win personal victories. In other words, they lay aside every weight and the sin that holds them back. You see, if I'm going to be used of God and I'm going to be an instrument that God can use to give out gospel tracts, I want to make sure that my life is what it ought to be. I don't want to be a bad testimony. Amen? How many times have you visited a restaurant, or you've bought something at a store, or even bought something online, and you got an email or something that said, would you take our survey, or would you tell us about your visit, or tell us, 
They want to know about your experience. Why? Because they want to hear the good things. They hear some bad things, I think, and they use that as, as things to correct and to, to change and so forth, but they want to hear the good things. We don't want to give out gospel tracts and be a bad witness and testimony. Amen? We want to be a good testimony. We want to live. We want to walk the talk. Amen? And so those of us who give out gospel tracts are those who are, we are to lay aside every weight in the sin that holds us back. And God promised His presence as we go. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, He said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God promises when I go out and give out gospel tracts, He's with me. He helps me to do that. You don't have to say a whole lot. You can just say something like, may I give you something that will tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Well, let me give you some good news. Brother Willette, who was here in our spring revival and spoke at our couples retreat, he has a track that he asked people, has anybody told you today how much God loves you? And then he has a track on the front that says, God loves you, and he gives them one of those tracks. Let me tell you, let me give you something to tell you how much God loves you. Not to say a whole lot, but you get, sometimes you'll have opportunity to talk to people more. But as we give them out, remember this, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. He will help you. He'll give you the strength. Every victory in the Christian life is won in the presence of the Lord. He is with us. In 1 John 1 and verse 7 it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, it's hard to practice a bad habit in the presence of the Lord. And if I understand that He's with me all the time, and I am in His presence, I'm going to be a little bit more careful about what I do, aren't I? I'm going to guard how I act. What if you knew every time you were doing something, everything you did, you knew Jesus was standing right there with you, watching you? On one occasion, the Lord Jesus physically Himself was in the temple and the people were giving their offerings and so forth. And the Lord was watching what they were giving. And remember, He stopped the disciples and He said, there's a little lady here, a widow, and she's given two mites. That was all. He said she's given all of her living, all that she had. What I want you to remember is this. The Lord was watching what she gave and what everybody else gave. And the Lord's watching what we give. He's watching what we do. He's watching when we give out gospel tracts. He's watching when we're watching what we're not supposed to be watching. He's watching when we're saying what we're not supposed to. He's watching when we lose our temper. He's watching when we use foul language and, and on and on it can go. I'm just saying that He is present there. And remembering that He's with me. The kids used to sing the little song, Oh, be careful little hands what you do. Oh, be careful little hands what you do. There's a Father up above looking down in tender love, so be careful little hands what you do. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. There's a Father up above looking down in tender love. He sees everything we do, doesn't he? Doesn't he? And so, when I give out gospel tracts, remember that I'm in the presence of the Lord and He's there. Secondly, people who give out gospel tracts discover God's will for their life. They discover God's will for their life. If we want to go, know God's will for our life, we have to first of all obey what we already know is His will for our life. Sometimes we think, well, what does God want me to do when I graduate from high school? What does God want me to do when I graduate from college? What, who does God want me to marry? What job does God want me to take? Do I take this job? Do I take this job? When Vicki and I 
moved here to start the church in 1980, we had five different opportunities of, of, of uh, going in ministry. And so we had to pray, Lord, what is your will? What do you want us to do? And God helped us to know what he wanted us to do. You see, when we're doing what we're supposed to do, then God will help us to see the next step and to know what the next thing is that he wants us to do. Bob Hughes, who was a great missionary of years gone by, said this. He said, who needs a call when you have a command? Who needs a call when you have a command? God has commanded us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're to take the gospel to every creature. We have a command. We don't need a special call from God. He's already commanded us. Jesus said in John 7 and verse 17, listen to this. He said, if any man will do his will, he will know of the doctrine. God said, you want to know what I want you to do? You've got to be willing to do what you already know to do. You know, sometimes we have the idea, well, if God will show me what, what he wants me to do, then I'll decide whether or not I'll do it. No, God's not going to show you. There are times when God's dealing with people about doing something specific, and you know that, and you push back against that. But if you're unsure, you've got to be willing to say, Lord, whatever it is, if you'll show me what you want me to do, I will do it. And that ought to be the attitude of every one of us. Lord, whatever you want me to do. Peter one time saw a vision from heaven, and he, he, he had primarily been taking the gospel to the, Gentile, or to the Jewish people, and he saw this big sheet come down from heaven and had all different kinds of animals, clean and unclean, some that he was forbidden to take of. And the Lord told Peter, rise, kill and eat. And you know what Peter said? He said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten some of these unclean animals. I'm not supposed to do that. And he said, not so, Lord. Let me tell you something. You can't say no and still call him Lord. Amen? Because when you say not so, you have become the Lord if you're not willing to do what He wants. So we should have the attitude, Lord, if you'll show me, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Just do what you know to do, and then God will show you the next step. Jesus is saying, if you go and tell people how to be saved, you'll see His calling for you. You'll see what He wants for you. Look at a couple verses with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And again, these are some other familiar verses to us. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Look at the end of the chapter there in verse number 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, and I like this, he says, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God doesn't call those people that we think would be great successes the wise, the mighty, the noble. It is said that Queen Elizabeth years ago made the statement in a, in a church service one night. They were giving testimonies, and she said, I thank God for the letter M. And they kind of looked at her strangely, and she said, because the Bible says not many noble. It doesn't say not any noble. And she was glad that she was called, that she had become a believer. Not many noble are called. But, verse 27 who does God call? God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. In other words, God can use you. He can use me. He can use every single one of us. 
You don't have to be well-educated. You don't have to have the highest IQ. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, most of us don't have all the questions, much less all the answers, do we? God can use you. And if you're willing to do what He wants you to do, He will help you to know what the next step is. Believers who give out gospel tracts discover what God's will is for their life. Thirdly, people who give out gospel tracts are protected by the presence of the Lord. They're protected by the presence of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.26, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Now what does it mean when it says the adulteress shall hunt for the precious life? It means that the world is looking for precious people. Now, I'll come back to that verse in just a moment. But the world is looking for people like Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4, he was, the, the king was looking for children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science. In other words, evil people are looking for good people. And the devil is searching for our Christian young people. And he wants to get them. The good news is that all believers who share their faith are protected by the presence of Christ. You know what I've learned? The adulteress. And in that verse in Proverbs, he talks about that. He says, for the means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. The adulterous person avoids people who are talking about Jesus and who are walking with God and living for Him. You know how to keep those kind of people away from your life and away from your children? Teach them to love God and live for God and walk with God. Christians who hand out gospel tracts discover that their witness and their testimony repels the adulterer and the adulteress. Somebody tries to approach you in the wrong manner and you say, hey, let me give you something that tells you how you know you're going to heaven. They're not going to hang around you. They're going to know they got the wrong customer, amen? They got, they're barking up the wrong tree because we've got something more important to do and something that they don't want to have anything to do, to do with. Now, the second thing that I want to look at or second area is this. What happens in the life of the person who receives the gospel tract? What about the person we give the track to? What happens in their life? Two things I want to mention. First of all, a work of God begins in the life of the one who receives a gospel track. When you give a gospel track to somebody, God begins to work. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we got saved, God started a good work in us. But could I tell you something? God started that work even long before we ever got saved. Amen? It may have been when somebody handed us a gospel tract. It may have been when we heard a preacher preach the, the gospel in a church service. It may have been a radio, a television preacher preaching the truth and the gospel, and we heard it, and God started doing a good work in our hearts and lives to draw us and to convict us and to save us and to work in our lives for the rest of our lives. Every time you and I give someone a gospel track, a work of God begins in their life. You see, when I hand them a track, I'm not responsible for what they do with it. 
they are. And God's going to deal with them on that. He's going to take care of them. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 12, I say unto you, if I be lifted up from earth, I will draw all men unto me. When we give a gospel track, we're telling people about Jesus and we're lifting up Jesus. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Giving someone a gospel track when you meet them brings the presence of God into that meeting. God is there and God's involved in it. A meeting of two strangers now becomes a divine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ there as we're carrying out His work. But let me say this. Until a Christian makes contact, Nothing happens in the work of drawing men to Jesus until we make that contact. You say, well, can't God draw them without me? God has chosen to use men and women and boys and girls. He could have called angels. He could have sent two witnesses like He'll do during the tribulation period. But He didn't do that. He chose you and me. What about that next-door neighbor until you talk to them, until you give them that gospel tract, that work of God in their life is not going to begin. And we must be the ones that are available for God to use. How many people do you want to start a work of God in their life? Stop and think about that for a minute. Wouldn't you like to have a work of God start in their life? Give them a gospel tract. And let God take it and use it and let God work in their lives. There's a second thing. Not only does the work of God begin in their life when we give them the track, but number five, every track we give someone is recorded in eternity. It's recorded in eternity. According to the Bible, God keeps up with everything we do in getting the gospel out to people. In Psalm chapter 56 and verse 8, it says, Thou tellest my wonderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? That verse teaches us that God has a book about my life and about your life. He has a book about your work. He has a book about your doings in your life. And He records everything that we do for our future meeting with Him. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. God records everything we do, and one day we will be rewarded for that which we have done for the glory of God. And when I give a gospel track, it's recorded in the books of heaven, and God will reward me someday for being faithful to Him and doing what He wants me to do to get the gospel out. Every deed that we do in getting the word out and sharing our faith will one day be made known to all. Imagine how much more would be done for God if we truly believe that. If we really believe that every time we give out a gospel track, it's recorded in heaven. Would it change what we do? Would it affect what we do? Think about what is actually happening in the spiritual world as we advance the cause of Christ, as we get out gospel tracts. And let me just say this. When you start allowing yourself to be used of God, the devil doesn't like that. He'll fight you. He'll fight you. I know a pastor 
whose church in Michigan, have uh, they had a program called Fill Michigan with the Gospel. And they were getting out gospel tracts, and the devil didn't like it, and the devil's been fighting. And I don't know all the story of all that happened, but I know that last week the state police came into his church and into his home and confiscated their, rest, their records and so forth. They were sent by the Attorney General of the state of Michigan, and they're dealing with some issues. But we can expect some pushback from the devil. When we do what God wants us to do, the devil doesn't like that, and he'll fight us. But don't ever forget, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You'll have some battles. You'll have some difficulties. You'll have some discouragements. But keep on doing it. It's well worth it. And we must get out the gospel. Think about what actually is happening in the spiritual world as we advance the cause of Christ, as we give out gospel, the gospel, and people get saved as a result of it. You see, what people do with the track, as I said earlier, what they do is their responsibility, but what they do with it will, will determine where they spend eternity. If they say yes to the gospel message and receive Christ, they get to spend eternity in heaven. If they say no and reject Christ, they spend eternity in a place called hell, separated from God forever and ever. The day they receive a gospel track will be remembered by them forever and ever, and will be recorded in there forever. It'll be recorded. But more important, our hands will then be free from their blood. You see, the Bible teaches that God has made you and me a watchman. I want you to go back in closing to Ezekiel chapter 3, and verse 17 and 18 and 19. Back in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter number 3, and beginning in verse number 17. And many of you have heard these verses many times. You've heard messages preached on them through the years. But I want you to hear it one more time in Ezekiel 3, beginning in verse number 17. He says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warnings from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. God says, if I don't warn them, if I don't give them that gospel track, if I work with them every day and see them every day at school, or if I see them uh, down the street in the neighborhood and I don't give them and I don't warn them, God says their blood will be on my hands when I stand before God. God's made us a watchman and I don't want to have bloody hands and I know you don't either when we stand before the Lord. So may God help us Get some gospel tracts. Carry them with you all the time. You know who gives out gospel tracts? People who have them with them. Amen? If you don't have any with you, you won't give them out, will you? I want to encourage you to get involved in getting the gospel out. Now, here's what I'll say in closing. The pastor in Michigan that I mentioned started with what he called Phil Michigan. 
And they've given out hundreds and thousands of gospel tracts in Michigan, and now they have begun a program called Fill America. And we want to fill America with gospel tracts. We now have almost 200 churches enlisted to take the week of April the 10th through the 17th. That starts next Sunday. After the morning service, 1 o'clock next Sunday, to the following Sunday, which is Easter Sunday, for the week before Easter, to see if we can fill America with gospel tracts. Amen? Get the gospel out. And I want you to help me. I want you to keep track of, of the number. You have, I'm talking about not just putting it on the door somewhere. I'm talking about handing it to somebody. Okay, hand to hand. You give it to somebody. I want you to tell me how many tracks you give out from next Sunday afternoon till Easter Sunday afternoon. We want to keep a track of that and keep account of that. We would like to fill America. We already have 31 states, churches in 31 states that are involved and committed to be a part of that. We want to fill America. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we, through giving out gospel tracts, could spark a revival in our nation? We could literally see hundreds and thousands of people come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior just because we did our part and handed out a gospel tract. Now, that doesn't take away from our witnessing and talking to people, but that's where it starts. Get that tract done. Anybody can do that. And I want to encourage you to be a part of Phil America and help us to get the gospel out. In that, I want you to start now. Get some tracks. There's a track rack out in the lobby. There's one over here uh, in the hallway. Get some tracks. Take them with you. And Diana has been doing a great job of keeping those track racks stacked. And, and uh, I'll get her to make sure we have plenty out there next Sunday so that we can start getting them out as well. Some extra ones maybe on the Welcome Center and all. And uh, so they're available to you. And take as many as you can and give them out and keep a track of how many you actually hand to another person hand to hand. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, what a wonderful privilege. What a tremendous responsibility. Would you help us to do our part? Lord, we don't want to stand before you with bloody hands because we didn't give out gospel tracts, because we didn't tell people, because we didn't do what was so easy and simple to do, knowing that if they don't trust Christ as their Savior, they'll spend eternity in the fires of hell. Lord, I don't want anybody to go to hell. And I pray that you'll take the gospel tracts that we'll give out even this week, but especially the next week, from next Sunday to Easter Sunday, and I pray, Lord, that there will be hundreds and thousands of people across America that will come to know Christ. May we literally fill America with the gospel. And may we see many come to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.